When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Carpet Fracas, powered by Sustain Media Group. I'm your host, Chris, and joining me this week to talk about a fairly compelling week for all things at Football Club, and it's only Tuesday. I've got Fahi, Mike, and Peter. Gents, how are you all doing as we record on what seems to be Thursday evening, but it's only Tuesday? I cannot believe that you're hosting a pod, Chris. Um, <laughs> 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 He's rolling it listen, back, man. One, one listen, last time. Listen, I saw that you know there's there's interest in the club, so I'm thinking you know I got to bring it back. The Dubai Reds, that Kef Dubai Reds link up. You know I got to make sure that we're all there. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Hollywood so, Christian, uh, Hollywood Christian. The club <laughs> had him down and out, and then he heard about potential new owners, and he's come back to host the pod. Come back, man. That's a comeback. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, man. It's just, yeah. It's it's, it's on a serious note. It's just schedule issues, man. I miss it. Um, but everyone who has been filling in, I say, not even filling in. Everyone who's kind of stepped up to the mantle has been absolutely smashing it. Um, Mush, Peter, um, and even Yak on a few of them. They're absolutely smashing it. It's been an absolute pleasure to. Can I just give you a shout out, Mush, on the, on the main pod this week? Aye, man. That the Steiner of math that listen, guy was doing was unbelievable. Listen, Liverpool <laughs> fans, if you've not listened to the Touchline Fracker episode from this weekend, you have to listen to it. It's absolutely hilarious. Had Mario Lewis, Mush, and um, Anita as well. Fantastic episode. I was, I was rolling in laughter. It, it was just too funny, man. It was a really good episode, so do definitely check that one out. Mike, how are you doing, brother? Brother, all good. Back to back main pods for me, you know. I'm I'm on a Peter run at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we put Mike on that edge schedule. He's on the legends contract. So when we need to like break glass, re-debut him now and then, he comes through. Yeah, comes yeah, yeah. Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the 2006 John Cena himself, Peter. How are we? Yeah, it's, it's good to be on, you know. It's good to be on. I feel like this is a heavyweight pod, so... You know what I'm saying? The heavyweights need to be on, you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of stuff to go through. So yeah, man, let, let's get to it. We've got four Seriously? like four like sensible people that will actually discuss things properly. Um it's not gonna be like that Tiago episode with the three bozos that were on two weeks ago. <laughs> um like, <laughs> enough said about that, but yeah. That was that was just pure chaos. Um the, that was if Darwin Nunez was in podcast form, that would be what it was. Um oh. <laughs> my god Anik and Glam shouldn't be allowed on a pod together ever again I swear to god honest to god but just un- unbelievable content <laughs> um, but as as Peter alluded to just it 
it's somehow only Tuesday and we've got everything under the sun to talk about when it comes to Liverpool. So let's start off with the big news that hit uh, um, it's hit everyone's phone yesterday. Um, exclusive from David Ornstein. Again, that man James Pierce is in the mud. He can't even buy an exclusive right now. Good God. Good God. It's mad, it is um, mad right? It's quite it's <laughs> interesting how the Athletic could just kind of just... Yeah, giving Liverpool news to Ornstein. Since when has that become a thing? Why? Listen, Ornstein pulled up and he went, it's my yard now. Okay. And every single thing goes through him. But do you think think it's the athletic or do you think it's the club? Club, club, club. Might be the club, hasn't it? Yeah. I always find it weird as well because there's always someone attached to the story most of the time. But this was a pure Ornstein exclusive. It's yeah. either like, you know, Simon Hughes or kind of James Pierce who have been attached to it. But this is purely Ornstein, which is quite... Um, yeah, like even the Canarchy news was a purely Ornstein. You know what I'm saying? That was purely yeah. Ornstein breaks. Mm. Like, it's I don't know. I guess it's every man for themselves, isn't it? Like, you get... The more news you break, the more, um like, repertoire you, you, you get. You know what I'm saying? And the more cred you get. So I, yeah. I understand why he would want to break all the news himself. But, like... James Pitt is quite ever getting a little and said they the little scream. has just become his own thing as well, to be fair. Where he's yeah. just like he's like Fabrizio Romano, where they're both just like they're the both the, the ones for me that when they confirm news, I know it's something's happening yeah. basically. It's legit, teams. yeah. Yeah. Messi Ronaldo, just enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. Just enjoy them. We cannot replace. Just enjoy them, yeah. It's a generational run, man. Just gotta sit back and enjoy every step of it. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. Just, um, just, just, just from like a weird work point of view, it'd be really interesting to see if like Liverpool have new, like a new comms director or something, and see any folk news is going in different directions and stuff for kind of the past year or so. Um, <clears throat> but as David Ernstein tweeted out yesterday, in a bombshell, bombshell, uh, an Ornstein bomb. Liverpool have been put up sale by Fenway Sports Group. A sales deck has been produced for interested parties. Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley are assisting in the evaluation process. It is unclear if the deal gets done, but FSG are inviting offers. There's been a lot of conflicting reporting from the aftermath, whether it be FSG looking to set up a portion of the club to kind of gain some equal partnership, which is something that we know they've been trying to do for a few years now, and it just hasn't come to fruition, or if it's going to be a full sale, a full fire sale. Uh, the club's been valued in anything from the region of four billion to five billion pounds. So the market for someone who could potentially buy the club is small, but it just kind of see, it, it seems with an ever-changing football market. Um, and I think Liverpool have learned this out the hard way from trying to be clever over the past few years. The things are becoming a little bit unsustainable. You know, your thirty pound, thirty pound, thirty million pound midfields, and now sixty million pound midfields, and so on and so forth. Fahi, I'll come to you first. First of all, how did you feel when the news came through? And what do you think the change of tone has been from an FSG point of view in terms of the club being up for sale when we know they've been fairly adamant that they are in, in this for the long haul? Yeah, um, uh, it's an interesting one. I think when I first got the news, like my phone notified me, I jumped like, rah, like they're selling us. Like it, mm. it, it, it was a bit, I think because of how it was worded, it was a bit of a shock. Now, obviously, then you kind of look into it a bit more and then you think about things and you're like, well, actually, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Um, am I... Ha- I don't think happy is the right word either. Like, I'm trying to work out what des- how I can describe how I feel. I think we've got to a point at the club where FSG have done as much as they possibly can. 
Now, for better or for worse, mostly for better, they've done a pretty fantastic job. Um, if, if you're looking at how they've built the club up from a 45,000-seater stadium to now a 61,000-seater stadium, we've got brand new training facilities. We were in the mud for years. They got us challenging. They made us become one of the best teams in the world. Arguably, at one point, we were the best team in the world, right? Short stint, but yeah. it did happen. When, when they did purchase us, if someone told you three, do you think FSG are going to make us the best club in the world? All three of you would have laughed. I don't think any of you would have taken that seriously. So the fact that they were able to do it, and obviously there was a bit of luck involved with like the, the fee that we received for Coutinho and you know them, them getting Klopp was a masterstroke because obviously Klopp is a, a huge, huge reason for why we became what we became. But Ultimately, if you're looking at the ownership of FSG, it, they've they've done what they needed to do. They're going to make a, a flipping, what is it, times 10 flip on us. It's absolutely probably, crazy. Probably, probably, probably even more than that. What, 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 did, what did they buy them for in the end? Was it like 230, meant to. They bought us in 2010 for 300 million and then now they're going to sell us for 4 billion. Oh, yeah, it's a mad flip. It's a mad, and then oh, don't forget, obviously, they've lent us money in the past and made a bit of interest on that as well. And also, through through um, them, you know, running the club, they obviously then got investment by Red Bull as well, or Red Bird. Sorry, I forgot, is it Red Bird or Red Bull? Red Bird, Red, Red, Red Bird, yeah, it's Red Bird. Red Bird. There we go. So, because of how well they did with the club, Red Bird then bought a percentage of FSG or whatever they call themselves. And they've made money that way as well. So ultimately, they've done a fucking fantastic job for, for what they need to do from a business point of view. Now, obviously, the ma- majority of the gripes we have is, you know, they've mishandled certain situations. All ownerships do do that, right? And obviously, yeah. we just think that if we're trying to be the upper echelon of like football teams in the world, they probably can't finance us the way we need them to finance us. And that's that's the majority of the gripe the Liverpool fan base has. So... I realise that they've taken us to probably the maximum that they can take us to, that they can take us to. I think they've obviously realised that. And Mm -hmm. I think it makes perfect sense. If they can find a deal, and to be honest, I don't think that information gets released without them already receiving an offer, right? Mm -hmm. So I personally think an offer has already been given to them. It's obviously something that they're considering, and now they want to play mind games and try and like negotiate and they're going to do it via the press and try and invite a bit more like a few more offers and I think that's what they're doing so I'm not happy but I'm glad that it's happening now just so we can kind of move on and hopefully take another step forward although yeah. there's not many steps forward to take I completely get what you mean it's not a sense of being happy in the sense that they're leaving it's there's a cautious optimism from my point of view. Obviously, we we would have to find out who the new owners are going to be. Um, I think everyone can do the whole mental gymnastics about <clears throat> ethics and morals of who that may be, who buys it. We'll have that conversation when we know more. Um, but I think there's there's a we know the infrastructure that's a place at Liverpool from an organisational point of view. The manager being there, that's a massive selling point. So things will possibly stay the same as they are. And you'd hope that there would be an initial kind of, there would be a guarantee of investment in the club over the 
first few years. I think Chelsea had something similar. I think one of the clauses that were put into their sale was that there would have to be, I think it was like 1.7 billion of investment in the infrastructure and the squad itself or something similar to that. Um, Obviously, we know they've been trying for a new ground for a while. Um, So you'd hope there'd be some kind of clause in there. But I completely agree. And on the topic of, you know, what FSG have done for the club, for me, I always look at the commercial side of things. For so long, Liverpool didn't do anything correct commercially and watch Manchester United get ahead of them so much, so much, so much in terms of revenue, sponsorship deals. And you look at it now, it is chalk and cheese from what it was when we were kids. It's it's unbelievable. And when you match those revenues and you match that output, you have to applaud that from just a pure business point of view. Mike, I'll, I'll come to you. We're on the verge also of a global recession. Do you think that plays a part in kind of what the thinking might be from FSG? We kind of cash out now. We get this large payout from what we've done and we kind of just take it on a move. And also, how were you feeling when you got the news come through as well? Yeah, possibly. It might be linked to the recession. I just think the club uh, at the FSG have have realised they've taken us as far as they can. And when you think about the context of of football and football ownership at the moment, we have Man City owned by a state. We have Newcastle owned by a state. More broadly, you have Paris Saint-Germain owned by a state. You have clubs like Chelsea and Man United who invest a lot more in it in terms of their owners invest a lot more of their money um, in terms of funding for for, for players than than FSG do. I just think within that context, FSG realised Look, we bought this club for £300 million. It was a great business opportunity for us at the time. We transformed the club. We can tell the story to, to, to ourselves of we've awoken a, a sleeping giant. And Liverpool are, no matter where we are right now in terms of a table, we are one of the best teams in the country. We are still one of the best teams in the world. And that's that's where they've taken us. So I just think they've taken us as far as they can. And for them, the Super League was massive, right? So the Super League was this opportunity for them to get loads of money, um, you know, the fear of kind of like relegation or anything like that completely goes. You're competing against another, other elite sides. That for them was their big kind of like last hurrah because they realised FFP is not working as it should. Um, you know, states, clubs like City and, and, and Newcastle and PSG could essentially spend as much as they can, as much as they want with impunity. Obviously, they, they have to kind of balance the books in some way, but the, the, the repercussions for spending and kind of violating FFP is like a slap on the wrist. So they re- FFG kind of pinned their hopes on FFP working. It hasn't. And ultimately, they realised they're taking us as far as they can. And within this context of where clubs are, state ownership, they just they just can't really compete long-term against that. And I think for them, they probably realised that, look, Liverpool need owners who, who can who can invest some of their own money into, into the clubs. They can um, buy better players like Jude Bellingham and all these other players. So... The kind of self-sustaining model. Look, I understood it, and I and I and I still understand it, and I and I, and I get it. Um, but yeah, FSG have taken us as far as they can. How do I feel about it? I feel mixed feelings, to be honest with you, because, like I said, they've taken us as far as they can. But I I have the fear of the unknown because who knows what kind of owners we're going to get? We could get. I'm I have strong feelings about kind of like owners who are going to use the club for sports washing, uh, given my political views, and I think the mm-hmm. club, like in terms of people, like fans. Our fans are the most political fans in the country, right? We've been politicised by our experiences. I don't think a lot of Liverpool fans will be comfortable being used as like a pawn for sports washing, right? Um, and also our manager has spoken quite emphatically about what he thinks about the Qatar World Cup, what he thinks about state ownership of clubs. So I don't think he'd be keen on that either. But then I also don't want like a manager who's, an owner, sorry, who's a narcissist, someone who thinks, who has main character syndrome, who wants to be 
at the forefront of every story. He wants to, you know, sack managers and then come out and make statements to be the main character. But I don't want that kind of owner either. But I don't want an owner who is too frugal and doesn't so, want to so, invest So you don't, you, you don't want you, you don't want you, you don't want your owner be the director of football. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. So you, so you wouldn't want Elon Musk owning your club, to put it bluntly. You know, he'd, he'd make it all about him. Um, he'd be tweeting live updates during games or something. Who knows? So, so bro, I, I just I'm at a, pl- a place now where I feel excited because we are entering a, a, a new era for this club. I don't feel an exciting era. But it does feel different to 2010 when FSG bought us. Because whenever she bought us in 2010, it was like relief. It's like, okay, we've, okay, we've been saved, essentially. Um, if this feels a lot like when David Moores sold the club initially. Um, I think David Moores realised, it was when Chelsea, Chelsea just got taken over by Abramovich. He realised at the time that he couldn't, he could not compete against that kind of money uh, long term. And FFG have kind of come to a similar realisation where it's like, okay, listen, this club are a super club now. We need new owners. We probably want the money as well, but we they need new owners to compete um, against the cities and, and the PSGs of this world. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I worry about just getting some dodgy owners. And it could be dodgy in terms of sports washing. It could be dodgy in terms of being a narcissist. It could be dodgy in terms of just, I mean, billionaires are in some ways inherently dodgy, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, the, the, the fear of the unknown off. is yeah, the fear of the unknown is what's, what's annoying me more than anything. Yeah, no, Mike, I I agree with you. Um, it's it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough. I I think ultimately, like I was speaking to Chris earlier, and it it was like, I would love a situation where FSG is still involved with the club, but more from like a minority stake point of view. Yeah. A point where they can still advise and yeah. guide the new ownership, the new investment group, and kind of be like, "No, nah, this is how it runs." Obviously, however, however you want to invest your money, that's different. You don't do your thing. But in terms of running the commercial aspects of the club, and you know the relationship with the club, like me- like members and all this stuff, this is how you do it. That's what I would have loved. I would have loved like a situation where you have FSG still involved. The more information is coming out, the more it seems as if they're proper looking to sell. Yeah, it's a total sale, it looks like. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so, so it's, an, it's an interesting one. It's, yeah, it's an, I, I, th- I think in general, obviously the unknown is a bit scary. And I don't think, I just can't imagine FSG would sell the club to, you know, like a sports watching state or something along those lines. I think it it just becomes way too complicated of a sale then because they know like how it long it's so much opposition. Like imagine Spirit of Shank- Shankly here, we're going to be bought out by. Bro, it's never going to like they'd never let it run. Yeah, they'd never let it. I, I just can't imagine it. It would never happen. Now, obviously, there, there's news right now whilst we're pod- podding that Dubai is the offer. Like that, they are the ones that are trying to run the offer. I don't know how people feel about investment, man, you. investment groups in Dubai, like the DXB Reds. Like, is, is that a bad... Hey, bring me that. I don't know. Bro, I don't understand. Like, from a moral compass, point, like, is Dubai bad? Like, I think Dubai is bad, but is it bad? But, like, do you know, and do you know what it is as well? Are they sports washing? Like, somebody, like, someone educate me here. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Like, no, I, I feel like Ralph Wiggum when it comes to these type of things sometimes. Bro, like, <laughs> is Dubai bad? I don't know. <laughs> uh, when I went there, I had a great time, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just don't know. If I had a trip to Dubai, 
I got some shit, but yeah, um, yeah. Just to chime in, my obviously, I have, I'm the same as you guys. I got mixed feelings just in terms of the way that I feel like we've actually profited from the way FC have run the club in in different ways. And I feel like if they go completely like by you're saying, there's certain things that I would want to be um, installed in the club that would be in the club forever. So the likes of like having the data led approach, the money ball approach, like we was it looked like well, I don't know who's the first ones, but we was one of the first clubs to actually use that kind of blueprint and sign players based on the data-led approach. And it brought us so much success, you know what I'm saying, over the years. And if he was to get new owners, will they just come in and start signing players based on vibes? Are we going to get linked with Cristiano Ronaldo? Are we going to get linked with all these type of players, you know what I'm saying? So, and I really don't want that to happen, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like those type of stuff that, like, Fire was saying that hopefully they would still be in the club and that they'll still have um, a say, not say on, but like, they would maybe show them that, okay, this Advise is something them. we yeah, advise and show them that this is something yeah. that we, we we coined and it was successful for us. Even like buying gems as well. You know what I'm saying? When we bought these players like Robertson, your Winchaldums, like yeah. it wasn't the cool thing to do, but we done it. You know what I'm saying? And it brought us success. Um so and yeah, they've and they've kind of had their legacy on the club. So if you look at the training ground, the AXA training ground, you know what I'm saying? We've got now got a new training ground because of them. We've got the main stand as well. So yeah, and I, 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 my my main worry is that um Will they kind of will we get a new owner who kind of forgets our ways and forgets what's made us successful? I mean, all we do, really the the way the club is run is fairly good, but we need investment. You know what I'm saying? That's all we need. Yeah. So and I think up until 2020, I was kind of happy with the way the club was run. You know what I'm saying? Un- until lockdown, not lo- 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 lockdown came and it was like okay, the money that was kind of being pumped into football. And what we didn't have, it looked like FSG were out of their depth. You know what I'm saying? Because we didn't have the money to compete with your likes of Chelsea, Man City, Newcastle, and people like this. So, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I know, I know that FSG, FSG aren't perfect as well. They've obviously made their mistakes. The, the, the um, Super League, that looked, now in hindsight, that looks like something that is really costly for them. You know what I'm saying? It looks like something that, because it didn't go ahead, um, yeah, they, now they, didn't, they don't have the funds and... It's something that they probably really couldn't come back with in terms of the relationship with the fans. Um, something that soured it as well was the ticket prices as well. I feel like the ticket prices was the start of something where it was like, okay, what are these men trying to do? The trademarking thing as well. So, yeah, you know I'm saying they're not angels as well, but um, you know, it's a devil that you know in it kind of thing with them. That's but the at thing. the same time, the thing. we we need investment. So either way, you know, what I'm saying it's it's the start of. Um, it's the start of maybe a new era and the start of something new in terms of us needing investment. And I feel like they're sitting at a good time as well. Um, Lupa is still an attractive proposition. You know what I'm saying? Although we're not currently in the best of forms, it looks like at the moment, maybe you're getting two or three players. You still have Jürgen Klopp in charge, one of the best managers in the world. You know what I'm saying? So we're still an attractive proposition. They've, they've sold it. I think they've sold it at probably one of the best times. I, I, don't, imagine, I don't imagine us um, maybe probably being as as peak as we was maybe in 2019-2020, but it's still at quite a high level. So I think they're selling at a good time. And I feel like there might be some rookie years ahead. So probably now is probably mm-hmm. the best time to sell it. So, yeah. There's a really interesting point that you said there in terms of being wanting to keep, wanting to keep the, the core and the stability of what's made this project from an FSG point of view consistent through the new ownership. One of the things that if, if I'm looking to buy this football club, I'm going, listen, man, I want Billy Hogan in this deal. Because that guy gets shit done. Mm. Every time I always see a letter, he's always ne- Billy Hogan in it. <laughs> always it's it's Hogan. always that guy, man. So I'm like, look, if you want something, to, you want someone to advise you, someone who knows how to build a successful football club and help run it, you probably want that guy to stay aboard. 
There's also another guy that's out there who still hasn't taken a job yet, and that's Michael Edwards. So from a sporting direction point of view, could he come back to any project that's said, you know, yeah, I read that as well. It's, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Is it? I think there's a lot. Up, there's a lot in the air right now. I think I think there's, there's a lot to kind of look at. It's you, yeah. You you only really know. Sorry, Mike. Here's a now here's a question to kind of take Chris's role here for a second. If you guys were to hedge your bets on who you, you think would take the club over, it doesn't have to be a particular person, but like maybe like a particular type of owner, like American owners, Indian owners, Chinese owners. Who who would you guys bet would 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 be the ones? Mm, I would say European owner, you know. Really, European? Yeah, yeah. I think a European one. I just don't see us getting really? in. Like, yeah, I don't see us. Like from all of Klopp's comments in the past, like that's a crazy change. You know what I'm saying? He's basically said that he likes, he prefers managing a club that has soul. That. Whatever that has like this kind of relationship with their fans, they don't. So you, you think you think Klopp likes a frugal approach? He does. He prefers yeah, but not gonna lie, yeah. Klopp, Klopp doesn't get a say in this, so Klopp needs to hold that. Like, <laughs> in reality, Klopp needs to hold it. Like he doesn't yeah, get a say. In this. Don't give me funds, no. Oh, <laughs> Bellingham, oh no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, so it's like the, yeah. they're smithers with <laughs> the strippers. Like, no, yeah. money, no. <laughs> <laughs> when we sign Bellingham and Rice and he has them to start next 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 season. I mean, I want money, but the way this guy talks, man, he talks as if like he prefers that kind of club. He, he doesn't really like going to clubs Klopp, where there's money. Klopp would definitely have a strong, and I, I would too obviously have a strong problem with like some kind of sports washing projects. Like, I think he would all right, all right, Mike, get to a okay. point where he'd walk. So, if, so, so the investment group in Dubai, would that count as sports washing to you? You'd have to look more into the details of it, right? So before, Mike, actually... before before Mike answers, if um if if it is the Dubai group, listen, when we pull up with the bus down, you know what I'm saying? When we pull up <laughs> like this, you know, this is what it's gonna be, okay? This is what it's gonna be. Dubai Kef, that's what we're saying, yeah? We're out there every week. Because for <laughs> Salt Bay's restaurant, that's what we're doing, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Back to you, Mike. <laughs> no, because for me, when it comes to sports. <laughs> <laughs> you know those random adverts you saw on YouTube sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just out of nowhere. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Forex. I can like... make you like forty grand on Forex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're watching a yeah, bad okay. like, interview right, or something. So, so, all right. So what you're saying is that it doesn't necessarily matter about the location of the investment. It's more the actual group itself. How are they being used by a particular state, right? So are this, are we being used by a state to soften its image when it comes to human rights? It's less about you can't come from this country. It's more how are you using the club? What's your what's your ulterior motive with our club? That's the thing I'm more concerned with. And that's fair. I, I listen. I can I get that, and I, I'm I'd be similar. My my point is I, I'm just looking at certain stories that are coming out, and I'm like, okay. And I'm really fixated on this Dubai one because I just need to understand where. What's the what's the detail happen? on this Dubai one? What's the detail mm-hmm. on this one? Is it like so? Is it a consortium in Dubai? So apparently, it's an investment group in Dubai. Like I don't even know what that means. Like who who is that? Because you see, that's, that's all vague to me. It could be it could be a bunch of British men who own companies in Dubai or something. What does that even mean? Investment group is, in Dubai. Because if it's a crown prince, then that's sports. Isn't the crown right? prince of Dubai a Liverpool fan? 
I, I saw those pictures still. I saw those pictures of Salah. <laughs> him and him and him and Mo Salah. What about the Radcliffe guy? What what is the? What do you guys? Oh, he pre- the... No, he pulled out this morning. I think he said something. Oh, like he? Just, he's, yeah, yeah. He ain't got the funds, man. He ain't got Broke the funds. Boy. <laughs> I love the fact that you call it a billionaire a broke boy. <laughs> now nah, he ain't got the funds, man. He used to go. There's one person you guys are forgetting as well in this. You know, if we do get these kind of state-owned like guys, like one really important guy that you're forgetting. You know, we got Mister Yak. <laughs> He's gonna suppose yeah, Yak will be, 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 be similar to me though, right? So we'd we'd both, we'd both be opposed to it. You both stop supporting the club. I wouldn't support. I wouldn't stop supporting the club. It make <laughs> it's one of those ones where I'd com- I'd complain about it a lot. Like you guys would hate me in the yeah. group chat. Basically, I'd moan about it yeah, all the time. Okay, all right. So it, it, explain further, and I'm just trying to like kind of dig in. I'm trying to dig into it a little bit more because I I get the premise of it, but say for example a Middle East ownership, whatever. Let's say they are sports washing, or it seems like they're sports washing, and they want to invest into Liverpool Football Club. And then you end up seeing that Liverpool and then sponsored by fucking, what, Qatar Airways or something along those lines, right? How much of that is really going to impact your love of the club and supporting the club? It's it's, it's difficult to take, say because I it's, it's not something that's happened, right? So yeah, I, I, it's one of those where you, experiencing it would, would be the, the biggest indicator. But what I would say is... Because I obviously I have my, my political convictions and, and and everything like that, and how I feel about human rights abuses and and the fact that we as a club would be essentially used as part of a political project in which a club is trying to conceal its human rights abuses by owning this big fantastic amazing club would leave a bit of taste in the mouth. Like all of our success would, is almost like contributing to the softening of their image. They build they build homes around Anfield maybe, or they kind of do some charitable work around Anfield to soften their image. All of that stuff just doesn't sit right with me and I would be deeply uncomfortable with it. But like I said, look, there aren't any amazing benevolent billionaires who are buying the club yeah. because they love the club. Like there are, Billionaires are inherently involved in dodgy deals, but I guess there's a, everyone, based on their moral compass, can draw a line, right? So some people might be vehemently opposed to sports watching like I am um, and, and obviously wouldn't like it. But some people might just be like, you know what, well, all billionaires are dodgy, so I, I will take the dodgiest of dodgy. I don't really care. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's it's so difficult. It really is difficult. And we're in a we're in a we're in a, this is this is football, right? You need to be a multi-billionaire to own a football club. You know, maybe that's maybe that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Like, what? How have we got to this point where football clubs have gone from being owned by the local lad millionaire to like multi-billionaires and states? <laughs> To tell you why, because David Moores didn't have enough funds. Steve Morgan tried to buy the club. He didn't have enough funds. And sadly, the, the local lads that wanted to buy the club at the time just didn't have enough funds. And ultimately, it's because of Roman Abramovich. He yeah, came that's to what I'm saying. Country. So this football's yeah, gone, gone to a place where you have to be a multi-billionaire to own a club. Yeah, and that's it all started with Abramovich. Yeah. All so... started with him. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you guys are speaking about sports washing, but it's just... It's just the, uh, cause, uh, Look, all billionaires are dodgy, but it's the idea of being used by a state to soften. But you image. know I what it is. Cool. I think. I think my argument to this, and I'm really not trying to put you on. To the, I'm not trying to put you on on the spot or anything. I think my my argument to this is always the case of, cool. I, I get the sports washing argument, but then we're currently sponsored by AXA, for example. AXA are involved in 
certain deals and stuff, right? Why does that compass not like kind of go there? Like, why I would we... complain about those things as well, though, right? That's the thing. So, but, I... but do we though? Do we complain? Because I don't think like... collectively, I don't know how people, many people are complaining, but I would complain in. If anybody is involved in dodgy business that I know of, I'd happily complain. Do you know what I mean? Because that's with my with with the way I am politically. It's not about oh, you know, yeah. I prefer I prefer this, I I don't mind this violation of human rights rather, but this violation of human rights is okay. It's more like no, if I knew our owners, if FSG were involved in some kind of human rights connected in some kind of human rights abuses in some way, I'd happily call it out. It's just yeah. more being part of a political project is an entire. It's like you're literally like synced in with a political project and there's literally research on this that shows that um states that sports wash they end up committing more human rights abuses because mm. they almost feel emboldened right and mm. look at russia look at russia now russia held a world cup in 2018 look at what's happened now mm. everyone yeah. after the russia world cup in 2018 was like oh my gosh russia's amazing i had a lovely time out there i didn't get abused it was a great country all of this stuff all of that contributed to kind of softening russia's image in some way we are where we are in 2022 where Russia involved in a hor- horrible war in Ukraine. So we've seen the effects if, of it. We've seen the if, effects if it's, of it. If it's the DXB Reds, all I'm saying is everyone already goes and parties to Dubai, man. You look you look so already in Dubai. Bruv, everyone <laughs> yeah. calls this by going to Dubai anyway. So I don't know how much how much more softened that place is. She <laughs> looking crazy. She's like, yeah, baby. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I guess we'll know a lot more information in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be very I think it'll be weeks or days. I think a couple of weeks. Couple I think there's weeks. a lot going on behind the scenes for sure. Yeah, yeah. They're, cook, they're cooking something up for us. But do you know what it is though as well? Just to try I feel like they definitely... Go here. Yeah, it's just like... To be fair, Mike's been pretty clear on his views and his political views for a long time, so it's fair enough for him. But I think it's more just mm. the fans and the people that are like they pick and choose when you know what I'm saying they want to all of a sudden have this moral compass. So that that that's that's the thing where it's like okay, now it's a bit confusing. Now it's a bit like hypocritical. You know what I'm saying? Where Mike's been stand firm on his views, whatever. But now it's like you've been criticizing Manchester City or whatever for you many years, and then as soon as we want to get an owner, you're like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. mind or whatever. Oh, yeah, so it's just yeah, like. Yeah. I think maybe like fans should stand firm on their views, and you've been doing all this for so many years, like saying that this is wrong. It's not how football should be played. It's not how football should be viewed, whatever. And then now your your views change because it benefits you. So I don't know it's just it's, it's a funny one, I think. But yeah, I th- I think and and that's why I kind of say quite you know like when the Newcastle deal was happening, you never saw me criticize no, the, the, the deal itself. I was like, yo, I was like Newcastle, they've hit the belly. They've hit yeah. the belly. That's it. Because ultimately, cool. Whatever Saudi are doing with the club, they're doing. I'm just looking at it from a point of view, from a football point of view. I'm like, yeah, right, New, well. Newcastle are going to be challenging and they're, they're going to be hitting us hard. And I think that's also another reason why FSG are probably like bouncing out. They're thinking, look, we can't compete with guys like this. Uh, we we can't compete with a club that has an entire country just funding them nonstop. So it's probably it probably makes sense for us to go. But it's, interesting, it's mm. interesting conference the other week. You know what I'm saying? He literally said we cannot compete. You know what I'm saying? With three other four other clubs. You know what I'm saying? Before this yeah. came out, so. It's interesting. And I think that's probably after they told him that they're looking to sell. Because obviously he found Klopp yeah. found out in October. Oh, so really? I think yeah, they prepared him a little bit earlier. So I think that the conversations and like some of the statements he's made recently actually make a, a bit more sense. It's difficult, man. It's difficult. It's just listen, you know gonna happen. Bro, all billionaires are bad. Show me a good billionaire. Yeah. Listen, of that's, course. that's I guess, how I, I guess I guess, yeah, I guess my point is more, 
it's different being owned by a dubious billionaire and like being part of a state's political project. That's where that's my view, yeah. Basically, um, yeah. those things that, to me are two different things. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think one's one's a slightly bigger issue than another. So let's see what happens. I'm I'm kind of like taking my Liverpool hat off just as as a person. I'm just genuinely intrigued to see what happens. Like who's going to buy this club? What's going to happen? What type of person are they going to be? Because even if it's a sports watching project, let's assume it's a sports watching project, are they going to be patient like City's owners? Because I think City's owners take aside the sports watching thing. In terms of the way they operate the club, they're very patient owners. They've never really, I don't feel like they've sacked a manager like unfairly, for example. I don't think they've been like Chelsea where when Chelsea sacked a manager, sometimes you're like, mm, what? They sacked like, Pellegrini after he won the title, bro. But it was for Pep, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Pep, Pep. yeah. So like, I would sack anyone for Pep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if I'm City, I'm sacking anyone for Pep, basically. So I don't think they've sacked anyone unfairly. Mancini could argue was unfair when Pellegrini was illegal she season after he gets sat. So mm. I think for me, those small things I'm thinking about, like, are you going to be a patient owner? For example, supposing we had a temperamental owner during this run of form we've just had, I could easily imagine Klopp being sacked by a more temperamental owner after we lose to Leeds. Yeah, and and this is why I prefer just an investment group with like a partial share in the club, like majority stake, yeah. but like just so that it's it's just more of a conglomerate of like people. But in fact, you might. Just... Yeah. So, so the reason why I don't think that will happen is because what's in it for that group, right? So if FSG is still attached to the group, and like can kind of still latch onto their success, it kind yeah. of defeats the object of buying a club. If that yeah. makes sense. I think whoever whoever buys it wants all the glory, wants all the shine, wants the story to be about them. They want they want to like be central to everything. Really, they want to create their new era, their new success with us. Um, so I think this will be a clean break. And I think the way it's, the way it's come out and the way it's emerged, this doesn't emerge if it's just like a we're selling a stake in the club. But this this feels to me like the start of something pretty big. So yeah, like you yeah. said, it might take a few weeks. Yeah, I think the Boston Globe News, which is obviously John Henry's paper. It literally says that they're looking to sell. So the fact that his own paper is saying it mm. shows me that, yeah, they just want to sell. It's gonna be interesting, man. It's a small, it's a small pool of people who can realistically afford this. Um, but yeah, I, I always find the Saudi thing really interesting because on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, sports washing is bad, but on the other hand, I literally just watched the WWE pay per view on Saturday that was in Saudi Arabia. So it's the thing, and then like when Anthony Joshua had a like heavyweight just... title like fight, like head, heavyweight title fight, you'll watch that as well, and that'll be in Saudi Arabia. So like, where where do we really stand with this shit? It doesn't like. It, but that's the thing. But that's the thing, though. Isn't isn't that part? It's so difficult for us as, as sports fans, right? So you're Christian, Christian Irish wrestling fans. So yeah. we want to consume all the wrestling we can. We love it, right? But then you're like, damn, this is in Saudi Arabia. Like this is. Do you know what I mean? So. Like, it's difficult for us as fans who are committed to our sports to then like pull away because you've got this emotional attachment with these wrestlers, with these footballers. And all of a sudden they hosted an event in Saudi Arabia and kind of like, oh, damn. So I guess, if anything, that's what makes sports watching so dangerous, right? Because you have an emotional attachment and you can't just pull away. Like, mm. I can't stop supporting Liverpool tomorrow if we're bought by a sports watching project. I still support this club because I have them for my entire life. So like, it, that's why that's why it's like this kind of dangerous thing because they know we're going to be here forever no matter what. So... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be funny. We cannot co- we cannot yeah. compete listen, with the sport. Listen, listen. The way I see it is, we won everything the right way, and the right way I'm I'm putting in like inverted commas, right? So we won everything that we possibly could yeah. have won the right way, inverted commas. 
and now just just give us the money, man. Just let us you're, spend. You're, you're, you're basically, you know, Stone Cold shit, after man. WrestleMania. Bro, I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm literally. Stone Cold being the darkest shades and not care about the ownership. Just give me the money. First one is a face. First one is a face. Second one is a hill. Why is this Hollywood Hulk? You know Hollywood rock players. I am starving for some players, man. Pause. Just give us some players. Do you know when I knew it was bad? When like, and these players are not bad players, by the way. But it was like, you know what? Oh, that McAllister, that McAllister Bryan, good, like, yeah, I'll take him. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I was seeing. It's when I was seeing. I take him on a free, you know. I was seeing bare guys in the group chat saying, yeah, yeah. Him on the McAllister on a free. Oh my god. When's this contract over? When's this contract over? And then he signed a new deal the same day. They signed a new deal. On the same day, on the same day, literally two hours later, he signed a brand I mean, literally, it was like 15 oh, minutes right. later. <laughs> David put McKellis as a new deal. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo, yeah, that's why I knew we were down bad. Mud, yeah. our, we're in the mud, and our midfield is in the mud even more. I mean, that's a good place to put it. When I was, hey, Basima and Bentico <laughs> on, on, on that second half? Oh, my oh, God. Oh, Bentico, man. He was that second game. half of the game, my God. We'll get... <laughs> the second half of that game. We'll, get stuck... we'll get stuck into Liverpool's, uh, Liverpool's game against Tottenham Hotspur after these commercial messages. <laughs> and we're back. Okay, um... Rodrigo Bentacor and Yves Basuma had the game of their lives because Liverpool have no midfield in the second half. They um, suck, man. We, we wouldn't have thought we won the game with that. <laughs> they suck. I don't bat any of them anymore. They Not, suck. Do you, know, do you know in the second half, Thiago was gassing like he, like he wouldn't believe. He was gassing in the first half as <laughs> like well, man. He was just giving wouldn't. the ball away willy-nilly to anyone. Like They're just so bad. I just started with like actually. three of them trying to track tackle Bentico because not even that strong. Like he's not, Bro, he's a decent athlete. Bentico was doing the Tobes. Can you see the veins? <laughs> Bro, in my you know what it is. You know, you know that. You, you know that moment where he wins the ball in his box, yeah. and then Thiago goes for the aggressive press. Cool, that's fine. It's it's a 50-50 chance, right? He loses that. I don't know who the hell the second player was. Maybe I think it's Fabinho than Elliot. Fabinho's last. And then Fabinho has seen all of this and he's like, fuck it. fuck it, I'm going to dance in front of him too. And he just runs past him. I'm like, after everything you've just seen happen yeah. and after the past like nine games of everyone running past you, you still do the exact same thing yet again and let him run past you. Like, take oh, him yeah, out. That, do something. It's that it's that kind of year or that kind of moment where like you realize that your powers are fading, but he hasn't realized that yet. So he's still like trying to, you know, what I'm saying, go into challenges, still trying to win duels, but he can't because he hasn't got the that athleticism for it anymore. And I I I can compare it to like I think like two or three years ago I was watching like Cruz and Modric and I was thinking these guys are washed, like they're finished. But then like there was a shift where it's like they stopped getting physical or whatever. They don't really get physical with guys anymore. It's just about okay, we will retreat, and then when we get the ball, we'll hurt you. And I feel like that's where Thiago and Fabinho need to get to the point where it's like, because you watch Modric and Cruz, they slow the game right down to their tempo. They don't get involved with duels. Like when we play them, how many duels do you really see these men get into? It's only Casemiro that was really getting to duels. But Modric and Cruz, they wanted to take the pressure. And when they get on the ball, they slow the game down. 
and that's what our midfield needs to do. Uh, may, may, some people fact, could argue Thiago, that Thiago, Thiago's good at that. I think. Yeah. I mean, Thiago, some Thiago people could argue that Fabinho's. Games. Some people could argue that Fabinho's maybe not as good as on the ball to do that, but he has to get to that point now where it's like, okay, maybe it's not all about deals. It's just about me getting good enough on the ball to slow it down, find my passes, pick my passes, and because even when I see Fabinho at the moment, he doesn't really pass forward like that anymore. He just gives it to Thiago. He does like his passing is very not adventurous at the moment. It's weird. But, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's listen. I, I, I think that second half was um, scary. But let's let's talk about the positives. The first thirty minutes, we were really good. I yeah, thought we played really, really good. well. I was really happy um, in the first thirty minutes. Yeah, for sure. And and you could tell that you know they'd see, they they knew exactly what they're trying to do. Sh- shift the ball to the left hand side. Let Robbo and Nunes do their thing. And you can see the relationship between um, Robbo and Nunes. Whenever Robbo got the ball, Nunes knew he had to run in front of him. And like they seem like they were in sync. Um, yeah. Mike, what are you thinking of Nunes on the left? Because obviously, again, he started on the left hand side. He seemed more dangerous on the left hand side than the centre um, when he kind of moved there later on in the game. Like, what did you make of that thirty minute like performance? I from liked the- it. And, and and you know what I liked about the fir- that, that thirty minute performance? So we have Salah on the right and Nunes in the left. And previously, when Salah's played on the right in the four three three, he's been too far out wide. But what him and Nunes both did effectively was really coming inside. And actually, it felt like at times they would come inside and combine with each other and Firmino would almost drop. Um, so it became a diamond, but it wasn't a diamond where it was like too narrow and they weren't kind of... They were, so they were getting wide and coming central, linking up and stuff. It just it just felt like it was all in sync. And Nunes, like, I get reminded every time I watch him just how quick he is. Like, he was skinning whoever... Who was it that was playing that side? Emerson, Real like, and Dyer. Yeah, he's... There were a few times he just, he just pushes the ball past him and just goes and like... The only person that could like could catch him, I think, was Basuma in the second half, caught him at one point. But Nunes had a lot yeah. of joy on that left-hand side. And he's able to do the things he wants as well. He's able to come inside, take some shots. He's able to drift inside from the left-hand side, which he likes to do as well. I think he works really, really well. And, and the most encouraging thing for me is the way in which he combined with Salah. And people talk a lot about, oh, Nunes is this, Nunes is that. But his combination play for that 30-minute spell we had in the first half was really, really good. He's always been really good with good. Salah as well. Yeah. His combo play with Salah has always been good since game one. And Joe, the big thing for me about him, his relationship with Salah, it looks like Salah enjoys like playing with him. Like Salah, look, Salah even looks for him sometimes. Salah will like try and yeah, play pass into him. him. And people always say Salah's greedy, Salah's selfish, but Salah genuinely wants to build a relationship with Nunes, um, which is which is encouraging. So I, I I don't think we could have any complaints about that first kind of even the first half more broadly. I think just a really good performance against a you know difficult opponent. Uh, yeah. Here's a quick question, Chris. I'm, I'm gonna sorry, I'm gonna I'm not gonna take over anymore. But just one question for you, Chris. Five marks. No, no, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Why can Darwin Nunes smack a ball so well on a volley, but he can't shoot from the ground? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and what is it? Why is he so good at taking volleys from ridiculous yeah. angles, by the way? They're, they're not even like sitting right in front of him. He'll be stretching like stupid amounts of like, centimeters to kind of reach that ball and he'll still smack that volley so sweet but when it comes to a normal shot right in front of him he will scuff it why is that you know when you see people are able to do like extraordinary things like real crazy feats of strength and just like kind of outworldly stuff but they can't do simple things like tie their shoelaces like they need velcro shoes or something like that that kind of reminds me of what darwin, darwin nunez is for some reason he, like that west ham shot Sometimes no business having the amount of venom he can put in that shot, the amount of power. 
but then you'll be like three yards out from goal and it just gets scuffed. I don't know, man. I feel like he's settling into his element at the moment because everything's settling together and kind of coming together. But it does leave you pondering more questions. Why can't you just do some of the simple do you think, stuff? Do you think he's more of an instinctive player? And I think it's the turn that me and Mike have before. 100%. Don't give him any time to think. The biggest, the biggest indication of this was the chance he had against... I think it was Leeds. I watched this game with Harold, and I was saying to Harold, he's a very instinctive player because Trent plays the ball over to him. He's almost 1v1, but he has a lot of time to think about how he can finish it. And he ends up doing nothing. He ends up just like kind of like tripping up on his feet and trying to go around the goalkeeper and not really going to execute in it. His best, his, his best goals for us, all of his goals for us have been one-touch finishes. Whether it's a back flick against Fulham, whether it's a header against Arsenal, it's all been about him making a mo- bit of movement, one-touch finish. Don't get he doesn't he he West Ham. at this stage of his development West Ham where, he, where he is as a player yeah. he doesn't he he does not need time to think he's not he's not a Harland or a, or a Kane who in a given time to think will pick the right option he ends up overthinking it because he's not sure of himself yet yeah, when he gets sure of himself then he have to have that time to finish and compose himself at the moment he relies solely on instinct I think yeah I don't think you want him to think too much you want him to just kind of be on his inside like that I think that's kind of what we need to sort out. And it, it seems like an insult, but it's really not because I think you there are players that are just really instinctive. There's loads of players, you know like like Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia yeah. is a great example. Yeah, he yeah. was extremely instinctive, right? But if you gave him five seconds on the ball, he would fuck up play every single time. Mm-hmm. He was a horrible player to watch when he had time. Yeah. Do you know what it is? I was saying to Peter earlier, Darwin Nunes is the Homer Simpson of football. If you give him time to think, he's going to do something stupid. But if he's instinctive and is able to play in one or two touches, um, the fundamentals are there. Like he's going to be an excellent player for us. But at the moment, let's not let him be instinctive. Let's not let him like have too much time to finish the chances. Let instinctive finishes, one touch finishes. That's what we need him to be doing at the moment. Yeah, for sure. And one thing with him is that when he's on the pitch, we always look threat- more threatening. You know, as soon as he was taken off against Tottenham, I felt like all of our threat was gone. Yeah. And like, they, we wasn't able to kind of have like one thing when when you're um what's it called when you're soaking in pressure, the best thing for you to do is that you have a threat as well. When you don't have a threat, that's when you're penned in. That's when you're really um that that other team can really sustain attacks and really pen you in. So um yeah. When, when he's on a pitch, he looks, he's dynamic. He can run in behind. He's quick. He gives defenders trouble. And that's the thing that I love about him starting games at the moment is that when him and Salah are on a pitch, I really feel like we're going to score. Like, there's not... If I see Nunes and Salah starting, I know we're going to score that game. Like, I don't think... They've, they've got too much threat for us not to, not to score. And one thing we've done well in that game is that, obviously, Tottenham played a 5-3-2. And when you play a 5-3-2, well, it, it leaves the midfielders exposed because if the wing-backs are penned in, the midfielders can't get out to the wide areas very quickly. So you saw this with the switches to Darwin Nunes. Then one of the midfielders have to hurry to Nunes, but they couldn't. So Nunes had a lot of time, so the Robson had a lot of time. And um, we exposed those areas really, really well in the first half. Um, we, we kept the ball and we took our chances. And that's one thing about attack as well. Recently, I, I don't feel like we've been dominating games, but our attack has been deciding games. So, you know what I'm saying? I look at the Ajax game, the Ajax away from home, I don't think it was too great that game, to be honest. I feel like um, the five, ten minutes before half-time, we took our chances and the game was out of sight. And it's the same with this Tottenham game in the first half. We took our chances, the game was out of sight. So, yeah, I really like the fact that our attack was clinical um, and 
also Kanai as well. Having Kanai back was was a great, great help. He's athleticism and was really needed in this team. You know what I'm saying? I, a lot of players on this team right now, their athleticism is dwindling, but having Kanate back, you saw him when he was following Kane into those areas. Um, he was really aggressive with Perisic and having him back in his team, he looks confidently sure of himself. He's just a monster. You know what I'm saying? You don't really want to play against someone like Ibrahim Kanate. So having him back was, was a great help. Help to Trent as well. So, yeah. Ibrahim Kanate made more clearances against Tottenham than any other Liverpool player has in the Premier League game this season. Eight. He also won more duels, 11, won possession more times, 9, and won more aerial duels, 7, than any of his teammates. That guy, I mean, he's only been fifth for like, what, a better part of a week? Comes in, drops a really good me. performance like that against... <clears throat> he looked a bit, yeah, he looked a little bit slow. He's still, which was but he's still so, like, dominant, um, which is crazy. I just think... How... Especially with Evan, wait, no, sorry, on, sorry, I was just going to say, with the way playing at the moment, Van Dijk's very much, I mean, he's always been a sweeper. He's never been a more, whenever he's in the centre-back pairing, he's never been a more front-foot defender. But I think he's he's physically waning slightly. He's still obviously physically a fantastic defender in terms of his pace and stuff. But he needs someone that's going to be able to be, that engages and is aggressive next to him. Yeah. And I think Konate is the best, best version of that kind of player we have at the club. Like, I don't think Gomez is naturally someone who's particularly... I think Gomez is actually more of a sweeper now than than he might have been in the past, given physically yeah. how he's... How far he's a boss. He's, he's not as sure as... He's not as... as he can be aggressive, but he's not as sure... Why, why are you so goal. glum about Gomez, Mike? What's happened? I'm, huh? bro, I'm not glum. I still back I the mean, boys. You were piping he's... up a few weeks ago. What's happened? Why, why are you so glum? Talk brother, can I, not, can I not back a, a fellow black brother from South London? You can, but what's happened? Well, why are you not... He's the card. You're not you're not as chirpy anymore, are you? How come? Bro, listen, Gomez put in a few, let's say, disappointing performances. So uh the Gomez stocks were at an all time low, but we'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. <laughs> back for your eighth run, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got one I've got one I more got, in me. I got one more in me. <laughs> I got one more in me. The sun will shine on us again, Mike. Eh? The sun will shine on us again. Amen. 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 We'll, we'll be back. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great point. I feel like it's, it's it's the cat and dog, you know. You know what I'm saying? The cat and the dog centre backs, where you need someone who is on the front foot and one who sweeps. And Kanai is definitely the best at it for us, I think. And we need athleticism. Like on, see when we're going in for duels, the only three players that I think that can actually win their duels: Kanate, Nunes, and then Thiago. Every other player, I'm like, Fabinho goes in for a duel. Yeah, Robertson as well. Robertson, yeah. But it's more that he's just more of a bunny and he'll keep keep going on, so you can get like a ricochet or like can get like a, a foot or something like that. But um, yeah, like a lot of them other guys, like they're not winning any duels. <laughs> Elliot will try, but he's just a bit too like lean. Fabinho, we know about him. Salah doesn't really go on for duels. Trent, not too sure of himself at the moment. So yeah, we need those those monsters on the pitch. We haven't got enough of them. Yeah, facts, facts. What did you make of um? Who was Salah's first goal? Yeah, Salah's first goal was not Salah's second goal. What did you make of that? Again, it was the Allison combo. Trying to find Salah, and then you know, Eric Dyer messes up. For me, that's that finish and, and the composure that Salah shows is what sets him apart from from even someone like Nunes, but just from like a lot of forwards in this league where yeah. it's never really in doubt. The composure, the fit, the dink, just perfect, really. Um, and like Salah's performance in this game was just a really mature performance. Like he took the game. You talk about you take you talk about taking the, the game by the scruff of the neck. And I've been critical of Salah recently because I feel like during his poor run of form, 
look, we have structural issues, but I would have expected more from our best player. But in this game, I really felt like he was efficient in his touches. He was dangerous. Like, there's a chance in the second half where Laurie saves it. I think Nunes lays him off again and he, he, he could get a hat-trick in the game. And we're talking about playing against a pretty decent Tottenham team here. We're, what, third in the league, fourth in the league? So he kind of took that game with a scrap of the neck with those two finishes and just a proper performance from him. So, I mean, he's got nine goals in his last eight games. He's like he's hit form now at the right time for us. World Cup break on the horizon for him. So he's got six weeks off to come back again. Hopefully he goes into Southampton game, scores against them. You have a break. He comes back even more refreshed. He's off off the back off the back of a good run too. So, yeah, man, nothing but praise for Mo Salah at the moment. Um, Ellis Ellis is complaining because I was complaining about him, but no complaints from me now, Uncle Ellis. So you can you can hold that. <laughs> yeah, big L's, man. Big big L's. Um, no, I think I've, he's been playing really well. He's been getting back to his back 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 to his form. I think he's going to be absolutely sensational when he when, when the World Cup kind of finishes and when he has that break. Um, but kind of focusing on that second um, Spurs goal, it's not a second Spurs goal, that second Liverpool goal, mistake by England centre back Eric Dyer. But yeah, in the post-match comments, it was Gary Neville who said that uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold would be the person who would be most likely to make a mistake in a whole-profile game for England. What did you all think of that? Because I thought it was a very, very, very odd and weird thing to say after the 90 minutes we just watched. Okay, I think Trent does okay defensively in the game. Like he's There's times he gets caught out, especially when Cesson Young... There's a ball... There's a time when the ball gets played over and, and Cesson Young... under it. Trent, yeah, Trent's under mm. He misjudges it and Session yeah. kind of basically Session should score. Um, and look, with Trent, I just think the Trent in England stuff I find really boring now at this point because I just think Trent is such a unique player. <clears throat> it's never going to work for him with England because of the way in which Trent plays the football and the way and the way in which Gareth Southgate wants his teams to play. So Southgate is very much a cautious, he's a defense first manager, he is a manager that favors kind of a more conservative side of play. If you want to play Trent, you're committing to an attacking style of play where you are dominating the, you're dominating the football. So, for me, there's an ideological difference between how Trent wants to play a game of football and how Southgate wants his teams to play. So, it's just never going to work from that perspective. And then you add you add to the fact that Trent's defensively probably isn't the best of England's right-backs. Far from it. But I just find the talk of just england Trent, I just find it tiring. Like, I hope, I hope Trent goes to the World Cup because I know how much it means to him, but at the same time, probably just going to sit on the bench the whole time anyway. So, I don't know. I think, to be fair to Neville, he has been pretty good on Trent. Like, he's he's spoken about how if Trent irons out his defensive flaws, he will become the best right-back ever, he said. Like, he's including guys like Dani Alves, like Philip Lam in that conversation, by the way, Cafu. He's, he thinks highly of Trent. So, I don't think we should, like, we should take it, we should take, like, much offence to these comments. But, if from where I sit, I just find the whole Trent and England stuff just incredibly boring at this point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think his his confidence is obviously clearly down at the moment because <clears throat> I think you can even see it in the way he plays. He's not as even though like, I feel like Saturday, Sunday was the first time I've actually seen him like Fai said in the chat use that wand again and actually start spraying yeah. balls, start passing, start getting forward a bit because he hasn't really been doing. It. I know his role has been to kind of to sit back and maybe not get us forward as much, but he's clearly not as confident on the ball anymore so um yeah you just I feel like he needs to play and kind of get in the run of games and get his confidence back and maybe this kind of new structure um will help him this new system that we're playing because obviously you'll get a bit more protection um with obviously the kind of four in front of him so yeah he's just not, he's not in a it happens you know players have dips players have um 
troughs and peaks and he's obviously not in, in, in the best form at the moment. He just needs to kind of play his way, hopefully back into form. And when we improve, Trent will improve. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's how it kind of goes, really, for Liverpool. He's kind of one of the key players in our system. Um, so, yeah, just one of them things, isn't it, for him? His confidence is shot, though, man. Like, it's, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, he's like 20% of the player he used to be for us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this was the bad. first game where, like, yeah, like you've already kind of said, Peter, this was the first game where you slowly started to see the old Trent again, switching balls, pause, um, and, and making some really good cross-field passes. But, yeah, defensively... That guy he played on the run is outrageous. Yeah. That's normal for him as well. Outrageous. Let's yeah. see, man. I think for us as, as Liverpool fans, it is important Trent gets back to form because... When he's purring and when he's playing at his best, like imagine some of the chances Nunes will be. Nunes has already been getting a few chances off Trent, but imagine if Trent was in his kind of like creative bag where he's able to just that one of his right foot able to create chances as, as regularly as he used to. You know, who knows where we'd be in terms of goals to be scored and, and chances created, all those sorts of things. So I think forget the England chat. I just really want Trent to get back to form for us. Mm, for sure. For sure. And it, you know what, I think with, now I'm thinking this, just with this team in general, it's like. I don't know. I'm kind of like motivated, but kind of not motivated because I feel like when we play these big teams, it shows me that the talent is still there and these men are still good players when they want to be. And like they rise it. So the Man City game, the Ajax game, the Napoli game, and then the Tottenham game now, like the Man City game is all that you need to, like Van Dijk, it's, it's, the player is still there. You know what I'm saying? Thiago still a baller, seller, never really lost it. So, but it's just like, why is it they're not rising it for these small teams? You know what I'm saying? Why is it they're kind of, Maybe maybe it's complacency, or maybe I'm not too too sure where it is. So the talent is still there. It's just why is the motivation so low for these kind of smaller teams? But against these bigger teams and these players that you know that you have to rise against, otherwise you're going to get embarrassed or you're going to get disgraced. They do it. So I don't know. It's, it's a funny one. Do you think that'll change post World Cup? It has to, brother. It has to change. <laughs> it, this can't keep on going on. Five wins, four draws, four losses. That's ridiculous. It's so Do you know what? We at the moment we look like a, we look like a cup team. We look, we look like the sort of team. Is we look it sort of team of going the run. season. This is Champions League territory, man. This is the sort of run where you're beating. So we're going to this Real Madrid tie with the underdogs. This screams of peak Liverpool European run. The Anfield atmosphere. You beat the Real Madrid, the mighty Real Madrid. You know, yeah, you get, you get. Football heritage. This is heritage. Fine, you you're, you are the man who told me about football heritage, brother. Dude. I did. This is oh four oh five. This is running it back to the Rafa years. This is the beautiful nights at Anfield. This is the European Cup final in Istanbul. This is something, bro. I can feel it in my bones. But you know this what is, the bro, problem is? Bro. Could happen. The problem is when the heritage is usurped by more heritage and. <laughs> And Madrid's heritage, listen, I've seen Madrid's heritage. Yeah, yeah, no. I've seen it first firsthand. I saw what happened. I, I saw it all. Madrid's heritage in UEFA competitions is a mazine. Yeah, no, it's, different. it's different. And it's different. I was so upset. Not upset. I literally, that, that whoever posted that meme of Cartman, the goal for fuck's sake. Like, the moment Madrid <laughs> pulled out for Liverpool, like, why? 
of all the clubs, I'd rather have Bayern, man. Why not just give us Bayern? There was a Bro, this Bayern. could be our chance to get revenge, like the fifth, the fifth time we're trying. If someone beats you up and you go back again and you get beat up again, and you go back for the third time and they slap you up again, you're going to sit there the fourth time like, I got this. I got this this time. Do these guys just have us? Like, it's so jarring. Hey, so now I can tell her, tell her, what, tell her, is it, is it revenge? Salah. <laughs> Dude, I'm so glad Salah didn't post something on Instagram. Like. <laughs> Salah's been talking about revenge for years. <laughs> Salah should have posted on Instagram revenge part five. This is going to be part five, isn't it? It's bad. Oh. So Fast and Furious films at this point. Where's it going to end? <laughs> oh, Bro, it's going to be at like 2027. It's going to be like flipping 2027. Salah's like a 35 year old player at this time, however old he is. And he's we got oh. Madrid in the Champions League semi final. And he's talking about this. This will be the time. <laughs> this is going to be the time we're going to do it. But you know what? One thing I am going to say about that tie, I actually think it's better that it's at Anfield first leg. Yep, hundred percent. Genuinely, I think, and yes. I never Why say that? that for games. Why is that? Because I think with Madrid, when you play Madrid, you really have to set the tone. And if you play them first at the Bernabeu, they're going to control and dominate the tie. Whereas if you're now, if they're now coming to the Lions, then they're coming to Anfield. If we can rock them to the core and like sneak a 2-0 victory, for example, I know it's a tough ask, but if we can do that, we've got something to defend and take back to the Bernabeu. Whereas no, if you're going to the Bernabeu on a nil-nil situation, yeah. Madrid well, someone, like, do someone like Rodrigo just end up scoring a hat-trick. Like, from at Bernabeu. I was just thinking, Peter, their heritage is so peak, but what's the score in Chelsea? They will just score a hat-trick out of nowhere. It's just, they're an insane club, Madrid, honestly. Someone like your goalkeeper just starts throwing, throwing, and then Benzema, (laughs) like, all these situations that just happen, like, their heritage is peak, man. Madrid are are a mad, I'm never going to say a bad word about Madrid again. They're, They're just, they're too peak. I respect them too much. I, I I can't get that semi final. I can't get that semi final against City out of my head. Where they just it was the best semi final ever. It was so good because everyone thought City was certain. They're like, oh, it's done. It's done. Until KDB, off, you know. Minutes, they came back. Special so, club, man. Special club. So if you guys had to predict just now, so, yeah, like, you got to give me here today. Talk of revenge here. Do you think you got? Do you think we've got a chance against Madrid? Mike thinks yes, right? I think so. I think I think we'll go. I think the way this club is at the moment, I think we'll find a way, especially going into the game as underdogs, to to rise it. And I think we'll I think we'll go through, but it'll be very tight. Like at the burn bar, we'll be hanging on. The heritage will be trying to push us back. Yeah, the wind was pushing me back, pushing me back. <laughs> oh my god! It's gonna be one of those ones where the heritage will be too much. <laughs> Might be too much, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, I, I, I'm not really fancying our chance. I don't know. Just is it anyone but Guys, Madrid? Come on, like, man. Come anyone on, but Madrid. I don't. Maybe we have a chance, but if I was to get, like, if I was to guess right now and put my money on someone, it would be Madrid. But we, I've, maybe we do have a chance. You know, we've been playing well in the big games. You never know. But if I was to, as a better man right now, unfortunately, yeah. Chris, what, what, yeah. What are you guys? We got something cookie for Madrid, man. <laughs> You oh, shut up. <laughs> Chris you is really a slut, mean... man. 
Listen, if you don't believe, you got nothing. <laughs> Chris is like, if I don't believe, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> the only good thing is the game is in, is in the is in the middle of Feb. That's the only yeah, good yeah. thing. It's four months away. A yeah, lot we'll can happen. We'll have to come right to midfield by then, so it'll be fine. Yeah. Right. If Carbajal, if Carbajal, <laughs> what's it called? If we'll have, he, Be- if we'll have Bellingham, Mbappe, and Rice. Yeah, if yeah, Carbajal packs in. Diaz again, yeah, I'm gonna be fuming. Like that, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> Carbajal was getting rinsed the whole tournament, and then Diaz all of a sudden, like it's like Space Jam. They took Diaz's powers, <laughs> and all of a sudden he Bro. couldn't run past Carbajal. That game. Bear in mind, the week before Diaz couldn't run anyway, and we noticed that. Remember the FA Cup yeah, final? Yeah, oh, yeah it's true. You were like, "Yo, yeah, Diaz can't right. run, man." So yeah, it's peak. It's peak. I'm looking forward to it though. You met with the Champions League. You need to beat the best to be the best, man. Like no matter what. Anyone I'd rather Madrid now than in the final. Yeah, well, exactly. Right? I don't want to lose yeah. them in the final again. If we beat them, you know what it is. Though. This is a make or break situation. If you beat Madrid in this at this stage, you can beat you're anyone. That's how. Yeah, you're winning. It's it. one of those ones where, like, especially with Chelsea playing Dortmund, you got PSG against Bayern. Big teams are going to get knocked out. The tournament yeah. opens up. If you beat Madrid, yeah. the tournament opens up completely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're talking about your, probably like, let's say Liverpool beat Real Madrid, PSG beat Bayern, and then City will, obviously will win their game. One of those three teams probably will feel like they could win the, win the tournament. So, And then you see I Madrid's think... aura transfers over to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, 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 when, he collects, when he collects the stones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's gonna, we're going to collect the Madrid doing heritage your stones. And dwarves, man. Yeah. The Madrid heritage stone is ours if we, if we beat them. So uh, let's see what happens. Was it um, was it eighteen nineteen when we beat Bayern in the last sixteen? Yeah, after yes. yeah. some second. Yeah, yeah. There's some parallels. Has to be said. I mean, the difference is Madrid are much better than that Bayern team, in my opinion. This Madrid team are better than the team that we that we lost to in the final. Bro, yeah. I saw fucking. <laughs> I, saw, yeah. I, saw, I saw Modric kick it over Hendo's head three times in a sequence of play. Like, <laughs> I'm just like Modric is like 36 years old. What's he doing? Oh. He's got one. And this he's is, got more and than this one is the man him. that Anik rushes to defend, you know? Yeah, I know. Oh, I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah, Modric has got more than one in there. Oh, at least Casemiro's not coming to, to slap oh, for Vino's head again. <laughs> at yeah, least. He's, many. <laughs> he's got, two, got two of many there. I think too many is injured. I don't know. So well, not, not, not until February, no. Yeah, he's got four months to get fit, man. But at least the, the way Casemiro's been slapping Fabino's head. Do you know, every time man will say, "Yeah, Fabino's Fabino's the best, 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 best," and then you'll see Casemiro play up against him. Yeah, nah, <laughs> yeah, nah, <laughs> nah, nah. 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 I see why Brazil still. Yeah, I see why. I see why. But yeah. Hey, hey, what's oh, what's, what's that saying? Any really any man of two, I know Mike Mike Christian Gettys. Any man with two hands has a fighting chance. <laughs> James James Ellsworth. <laughs> Only on Kef can you get a James Ellsworth reference. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Wait, that error, that error. Um, Peak Smackdown. Peak Smackdown. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's very it, it's, it's very alarming for me that Fabinho has been running around looking like Ellis um, on that football pitch. So, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I think Klopp has been meaning to drop Fabinho for a while, but he just can't because <laughs> he can't. there's no one else. He can't drop him. <laughs> there's yeah, no one else. Him with having shouting matches all 
every all season pretty much. So yeah, but he can't drop him. So yeah, it's interesting. How would you guys line up tomorrow? So I'm I'm basically just playing Calvin Ramsey and ten others. <laughs> really, Calvin play Ramsey Kelleher. and ten others. Go play yeah, Kelleher in goal. Nat, Ramsey right Nat back. Phillips. Gomez and that Phillips centre backs. You, you guys wouldn't play Canate. No nah, why? Absolutely no chance. We've only got one game left, guys. Like the last game, we wrapped in cotton wool. Play Gomez. Gomez. No, no, I'll, t- I'll take Canate and Gomez just because he needs just get him some form. What about Nat, players. man? You can't keep Nat Phillips and not. Nat is not that hash. Nat, Nat is hashtag not good. Oh, come <laughs> not on, good. man. Play me in Starby. Give him something. <laughs> He's not good, man. Bro, it's time He's County. Something, man. What so are you going to him? In midfield, I'm going Henderson, Ox, and... Bajetic. Yeah, why not? Shush. Or maybe Henderson, Ox, and Jones. I don't know. Jones in the front line, I think. Oh, yeah, Jones will be front line because we don't have enough players. Yeah, you're right, actually. We're so washed, man. We ain't got nothing. We're Jones, Cabello, and then whoever. I don't know. Jones, Cabello. But you know what? I, I think looking at the, the, the lineup we were speaking about earlier, that probably still is enough to beat Derby, to be honest. I can, mm. I can question it. Probably still enough. Shall I tell you why? <laughs> Shall I tell you why I can question it? Because I saw this team beat Man City, then lose to Nottingham Forest. So no, I you're right. I can't trust any of these fuckers anymore. <laughs> but do you know what it is? Sometimes when you play a team full of rusty players, like a whole team full of rusty players, it really like even if they've got quality, they just the connection's not there. So sometimes it can I don't know, it could be like a bit of a banana slip. Sometimes you might one or two first teamers. I guess that's why Henderson Gomez should be the ones that kind of really um yeah, guide this team, that kind of thing. How important do you think the Carabao Cup is for us this year? Because obviously it was super important last year. Do you think it can have the same impact again? Or do you think we should just um, just dash it out the window and just don't care about it? Um, I think for me, I would personally like to win it. But at the same time, I think it's one of the ones where like, I feel like this round and the next round, you kind of have to protect your players, play like yeah, um, play the ones that are kind of fit and the ones that you really don't want to get injured. Because I feel like last last year we kind of stumbled into the quarterfinals, if that, if that makes sense. Like we, we did all of a sudden was in the quarterfinals, semifinals. Like, whoa, we actually got a chance to win it, and then we start taking it a bit seriously. But I, I don't feel like you can be playing such a strong team tomorrow with the next round. I feel like I want to win it, but at the same time we have to look after our players' health. You know what I'm saying? So um, hopefully we can, we can win the next two rounds with a kind of second team, and then we'll go from there. That's my that's, what, that's the way I see it as well. I think far you said it. I have a slightly more controversial take about the Carabao Cup, and I think it's uh in many ways, a more important trophy to win than the FA Cup. The yeah, FA Cup has no, a heritage, and the FA Cup is a bigger trophy, historically. Yeah. But the League Cup, in terms of what it can do for your season, like last season for us, when we won it, there was this belief that we were able to kind of get from winning the League Cup against Chelsea, yeah. a good yeah. Chelsea team. You win it in February, you're able to kick on, and, yeah. and, and you know, you've really got a trophy in, in, the, in the bank, essentially, and you're able to kick on for the rest of the season, competing for more trophies. So, I I enjoyed the League Cup and I, and I really do think and hope that the draws are favourable to us. I hope that when we play Derby and hope to beat Derby tomorrow, we get another favourable draw in the in the next round. And like Peter said, you just you end up just like with this competition, you played a few rounds and before you know it, you're in the semi final. So let's just see what happens, I guess, and see how we how lucky we get in the draw. Let's hope we don't get something stupid like Man City away in the next round because then that obviously then you probably. Would, Rather complicate just it. Yeah, yeah, that would complicate things a lot, basically. So yeah, nice. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's important this year, and I agree with you, Mike. I think it's to a season, it's way more important than the FA Cup, um, yeah, because it gives you that 
additional push for, for, for the killer end of the season. So, yeah, um, hopefully we win tomorrow and we'll see what happens. Um, lads, it's been good. Chris has flown to Dubai um, to, to, to speak to DIC. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I'll, I'll close the pod. And um, next week we're live in the studio. So, yeah. studio pod next week. That should be good. I'm sure we'll have a lot more um, info regarding potential new owners so we can kind of discuss that in person. And yeah, thanks for rocking with us. There's a Patreon episode out on Friday. You've got the weekend preview and then you've got the post-match Southampton game, which should be out Saturday evening slash Sunday morning. So if you're not part of the Patreon, um, join today, patreon.com forward slash cop and fracker. Until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.